0: are listening to the Teen Wolf, Rewolf. Wolf. Well, hey. Hi. How- long time no see. I know. I was away for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have a roommate again. <laughs> you know, I'm not, it's not that I don't love you, because I love you, but living the, like, dreamy millennial fantasy of being able to afford a two-bedroom by yourself <laughs> for three weeks was, like... Oh, this is a luxury.
1: I'm happy to have been able to provide you with that experience. Thank you for being gone.
0: That said, I don't feel like I need to check the like locks five times before going to bed now. Just the security of another person being able to hear me if I get murdered is like yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I would do that for you. I would help stop you being murdered. I also do. I can be like (laughs) I would listen to you getting murdered. I, I would murder you. No. Oh. I, oh. Okay. Well, that took a <laughs> dark turn. Uh, uh, no, but I do check the locks every night before no. I go to bed.
0: Yeah. No. I so, I do. Yeah. It's it is the like. Double did I check the locks? Getting up at two in the morning. <laughs> it's the security. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um. But you're back. And so are we. To do. Teen Wolf. Yeah, because this is the Teen Wolf Re-Wolf podcast, a podcast where we talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And my anxiety has <laughs> lowered significantly. <laughs> How's California? Were you in
1: Beacon Hills? I was not in Beacon Hills. I was in SoCal, where Ooh. it doesn't rain. Actually, that's not true. It rained a little bit. I brought it with me and um, my little three-year-old cousin has like never experienced really rain or snow and he was so excited. He kept asking his mom if he could go get the umbrella because the really dark clouds made it look like it was going to rain. He was so upset it didn't rain again.
0: Oh, it was cute. Sweet. Yeah. I love those videos of kids who like live in warm climates seeing snow for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that's still how I look at snow. If it's snowing, I'm not getting anything done. I'm just going to look out the window. Yeah. Even if it's shitty snow.
1: Your productivity is zilch. Yeah. I I just saw a video of a little kid like riding an escalator for the first time. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And he just kept going, wow. Yeah, wow. Escalators are pretty marvelous. Have you
0: seen the video of the little girl who hears... Um, and she's like traveling with her parents and here's the call to prayer for the first time. Yeah. It's so, oh, she's just so amazed, mm-hmm. which yeah, it sounds beautiful. So I, I probably, I would have a similar, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, this is amazing. Um, anywho, the reason why we're so off topic is because we are still on season five of Teen Wolf.
1: Boo. Boo. But
0: you guys are getting it, getting us through it. So we do have a review to read, Julia. Do you want
1: to read the review for us? We do. This is from "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" from Germany.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which is okay. The optics (laughs) of that, I'm just gonna say, strange, (laughs) odd. Okay.
1: I don't know. It's also just a very stupid, dumb military policy that that I think about a lot i think from america a, yeah. yeah i don't know
0: i, I just i don't it's know if that's what it's referencing which almost is why certainly
1: I'm, not yeah it's just a funny translation yeah. um okay so this is from don't ask don't tell from germany five stars love this pod and they say absolutely love this podcast you guys are totally not like other girls but in the best way possible your humorous attempt at discussing the teen wolf episodes through a selected theme is amazing and sometimes hilarious i love listening to this pod it really makes my day and i find myself looking forward to new episodes weekly lots of love and keep up what you're doing
0: we will keep up what we're doing, but I do protest about the word attempt. I feel like we get it done. I feel like the attempt is, you know, it comes it's to fruition. Completed, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would, you know, maybe we are only sometimes hilarious. I'll give you that. But we do, we have follow through. Yeah. We just
0: have the battle. Yeah. <laughs> we do it. We do discuss Teen Wolf through the <laughs> Thank you so much for your wonderful review. That one really made us smile. We were just like giddy when we got it. I don't know what it was about that one in particular. Maybe it was the handle. Maybe it was the word attempt. Maybe it was the not like other girls comment. (laughs) Which, like, 14-year-old me is like, yes, thank this God. is what I always wanted. Um, but thank you so much. And as always, if you guys leave us a review and five stars on iTunes, we will read it out out loud on the podcast and then maybe do some commentary about it. We deeply appreciate it. and We appreciate you guys. But the reason why you guys appreciate us is because we talk about Teen Wolf. And this week, we're going to be talking about uh, Season 5, Episode 19, The Beast of Beacon Hills.
1: Yes, it was written by Eric Wallace and directed by Tim Andrews. So some old all reliables all
0: reliables (laughs) this is like the most penultimate penultimate episode ever they're trying to cram so much shit in and they're adding like a bunch of information that we're gonna like need in the finale but it's like not handled well and it's like i the the problem isn't actually the episode it's like the season preceding it that doesn't do any of the heavy lifting and so they're like Oh, fuck. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. We got to get it all in. Um, But we'll have lots to say on that after we do our 60 second recap. You know what I'm going to do? Hmm. Volunteer you to go first. Oh, that's so generous of you. (laughs) Yeah, I just, you know, I just feel like you got to go on your little vacation and come up for that. To clarify, t'was not a vacation. I don't know. You went to the beach.
1: (laughs) Um, the presence of the ocean does not automatically equate to vacation time, but I
0: did drink many margaritas, so... Vacation. Who's to say? Vacation. Um, if the the tequila comes out before (laughs) 5 p.m., it's a vacation.
1: Um work disclaimer cry cry for (laughs) help work disclaimer i was working I
0: was working (laughs) i was working okay well now you're about to be working really hard because you're gonna do a recap of this episode in 60 seconds are you ready
1: yeah. On your mark, get set, go. <laughs> okay. So Corey and Mason are hiding in the tunnels, and Mason is like, "I'm so totally not the um, beast." And the Dread Doctors are like, uh, "Actually, you are," and they um, steal him. And Corey knocks Corey out. Um, Theo wants Josh to put on the Dread Doctor's mask, and Dukalian is there. Um, Lydia and Stilinski are chasing Parrish, and Lydia convinces him to stake so that he can protect people. Malia tells Styles that the Desert Wolf uh, wants to kill him, and uh, Brayden won't give him a gun even though he asks. Hayden and Liam are searching for Mason. and They can't find him. Scott wakes up heals from his little tête-à-tête uh, with the Beast. Team is plotting. Um, to find and save Mason and then Cory is like invisible in the kitchen and Scott's like hey help us out um the Dread Doctors inject Mason with Nazi juice and like hook him up to the Nazi werewolf or whatever and Deucalion's like actually I could have walked out of here all the time um and here's how you take power uh Kira's like hey dad I um need to put my sword back together and he's like I'll tell you then she leaves um Theo kills Josh to get his power and put on the mask. Um, Lydia and Parrish go to the Nemeton and it glows for some reason. Um, Scott and Liam meet up with Theo and Tracy and Theo's like, I still want to take the beast power. And he's like, Oh,
0: you are done. That was pretty good. For the first time back in quite a while. It's true. It's true. Yes. I did a very good job.
1: (laughs) I didn't do as poorly as I was expecting, but I also thought I had way more time than I ended up having.
0: A good thing about me, reconsistency is always doing as poorly as I expect. (laughs) (laughs) Except for that one time I got it all done in one go. That was crazy.
1: Maybe that's what she meant by we sometimes attempt.
0: Oh. Damn. She got us.
1: (laughs) You got me there. I actually don't know if there's any
0: pronouns in there. He might have gotten us. They, they. They?
1: You got us there.
0: They got us there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, you have one minute on the clock to do better than me possibly Mm. starting right now
0: so mason and corey are hiding in the tunnels and mason's like i can't be the beast and then the dread dread doctors roll through and they kidnap mason and then tracy wants tracy and theo want josh to put on valix mask and ducalion is there and then lydia calls salinsky to hunt down parish and then parish Pops, (laughs) uh, pops, <laughs> then Stiles he pops, perishes tires, and they're like, "You need to stay," and he's like, "I don't want to." And then Kira like puts Scott in bed because he needs to heal. And then Malia tells Styles that the desert wolf is after him too. Hayden and Liam look for Mason. Scott wakes up healed, uh, and the pack is already planning about what to do about Mason. And then Scott pulls. Corey out of thin air and is like yeah you gotta help us bro and then mr Yukimura tells kira that they need help help if she wants to use the sword and they need to go somewhere else to fix it and then deucalion tells uh theo to take power he has to take pain so he kills josh Lydia and Parrish go to the nematode for some reason deucalion continues to like threaten the other pack and is like yeah i've actually been fine this whole time and then liam and uh, S- scott ask theo for help and tracy's like yeah we don't want to help them like we don't want your help either and then deucalion is like kind of helping Theo. And so Scott and Liam uh, and Theo go to the woods to look for Mason.
1: That's time. But would you like to finish up the plot of this episode? Sure.
0: So Styles and, um, Lydia spent the entire episode in the police station doing nothing, um, just chilling. Just chilling, Pouring. Uh, until uh, Melissa comes up and is like, "Actually, Mason is a genetic chimera because he is—he uh, ate his twin in the womb," and they're like, "Gross!" And great. <laughs> Theo and Liam and Scott do find Mason with a telluric currents, um, and he is attached to the Nazi wolf. Ugh. Ugh. ugh um like just anywho uh, um, disgusting yeah and uh the dread doctors roll up and then mason turns into the beast and then kills them as the beast and then when the beast transforms back and the urgents are there and so is parish he transforms into sebastian valet i don't think he kills mason. all the dread doctors i think he just kills the one no i think he kills all of them really yeah we'll, we'll see <laughs> we'll figure it we'll out. We'll see. Um, meanwhile, the desert wolf is hunting down Malia in Scott's house, and then Tracy lets her in. I guess. I guess. I don't know what that's about. Um, and then by the end, it's like sort of a stand. It's she refers to it as a cage match between Malia and her mom in the McCall house, and
1: which is kind of funny.
0: Yeah, it is. It just uh the biggest reason why it's so funny is that it doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
1: yeah why wouldn't i mean i guess brayden's whole thing is she's like me first which i totally get she's a mercenary whatever um but her whole thing is to protect malia malia's just you know stuck up there
0: i mean i guess the idea of like trapping um corinne the desert wolf's name i think in the house is advantageous like fish in a barrel style but yeah malia is still in the house
1: yeah I also, if I think about the Mountain Ash thing too hard.
0: All of Teen Wolf unravels? Yeah. Yeah. So, before we get too into our complaints, which can come at any time, but we <laughs> should actually formulate our discussion. We are going to be talking about this episode through the theme of truth. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, you know, I was going to ask you that question. No, nope, that's my question to ask. Where
1: do you want to start? <laughs> um, you know what? I kind of want to start with Liam. Uh, Because he's going through a lot in this episode.
0: It is interesting to me how much more Liam's um, sort of man pain is compelling to watch when it's not about Hayden. And that is not like a comment on female characters. That is a comment specifically on how underdeveloped Hayden's character is.
1: And their relationship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We've never even seen them just, like, talk about stuff, you know? hmm And um, it's really sort of refocused what Liam is thinking about and caring about in this episode because of he's, you know, fighting for this long-standing friendship that he has with Mason. And it's really hard for him to accept the truth. He does not want to think that Mason is the beast.
1: Yeah, he keeps making certain allowances, um... Because he knows and we kind of discussed this in the last episode that he knows that if Mason is in fact the beast, his assumption is that Mason has to die because that is kind of what we've been moving towards. And it is interesting to think like if the beast were someone other than Mason, would Scott be so dedicated to the idea of saving him?
0: I mean Hard I to think, know well no I think it, it kind of gets brought up um that like this is a, a this could be the life or death thing for Scott because Theo asks he's like I thought you weren't a murderer and he's like I'm not but that doesn't mean that I couldn't kill somebody which is like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> wait okay. a minute <laughs> okay. okay okay back to 5a what what are you talking about what are you talking about yeah. Um, because if you wanted to pitch that as like having seen styles go through what he went through, Scott now understands that's cool, but you didn't do the work.
1: They didn't do the work. Um, also if we are trying to reference back to season four, which was 19 episodes ago with, you know, Scott thinking about keeping the hail money or, you know, turning into a berserker, which was out of his control. But it still turned him into a killer. And Scott would have uh, felt that way. You know, like if he had killed someone, he would have felt a personal responsibility. Um, The groundwork was laid, but we are so far away from it for it to be meaningful at all.
0: I agree. Back to Liam. Yeah. After that sidebar. (laughs) After that done bar. (laughs) Nice. Um, Thank you. Nice. Uh, I think that it's really... um, I think there's really something to be said about the idea that you can try to post, people will try to postpone the truth, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not even necessarily that Liam really wants it to not be Mason. He's looking for reasons to believe it's somebody else because that is where we're at. It has to be someone. There's no denying it. It's got to be someone they know probably because it's a teenager It's got to be somebody who's, you know, obviously not on that original list. So he's like, it could be anybody. And the fact of the matter is, is like, no, it can't. And he's so um, hurt by the truth that he's denying the evidence.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. It's as if Liam is experiencing the first stage of grief. He is in complete denial about the fact that Mason could be. The, the, The thing that has killed tens of people at this point. Uh, you know, in Beacon Hills alone.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, in talking about, um, this relationship with Mason, Mason also is in the same place where he's like, it can't be me. It can't Mm -hmm. be me. I can't have been the one to do this. And Corey has to point out, where were you all the times that it showed up? Where were you the entire time? Who could it possibly be? Um, and that's really interesting to me because Corey is probably the, obviously a very different relationship than Liam has with Mason because Corey and Mason are dating. Um, Corey has probably the second closest relationship, or maybe first closest, I don't know how you define things, Um, relationship with uh, Mason, and he is jumping on to be like, yeah, it is you. He believes that so immediately, and I kind of wonder what you think the difference is in in that.
1: Well, he does kind of lay it out for us in the fact that you know he, when they were on the bus when he grabbed him he felt something different no explanation as to what that is yeah he like felt the evil I guess I suppose um but I think in Corey's mind he has clearly already been thinking maybe Mason is the beast he's had more time to process that concept than Mason Orleum. um not a whole lot And his suspicions weren't confirmed until very recently. But, you know, the first thing that Corey does once Mason is taken away is he goes to Scott. And I think
0: Corey is... In like a sneaky Randall from Monsters, Inc. type of way. (laughs) That's Monsters, Inc. (laughs) reference number three for season five. You're all welcome.
1: Let's just see how we can keep working it in. Um,
0: (laughs) It's one of my favorite...
1: Bonus episode? On... Monsters, Inc., guys, let us know. Let us know, Because yeah. we would. Yep. Um, Yeah, I think that once you come to kind of an ac- acceptance, like, you can, quote, move on. But, like, move on to the next challenge, which is saving Mason, if it's possible, and he desperately wants to believe that it is.
0: Yeah, I think he's sort of in a, like, um, like, he's so in a, like post ex- he's post acceptance mm-hmm. he's like then it's problem solving time you know and I think it's interesting to me that he's able to blaze through that so quickly I think maybe because Corey has spent a lot of time with people who have done bad things and is more open to the fact that good people can be corrupted because he's been surrounded by all of these other chimeras who've been doing some dubious shit and definitely wouldn't have before they were given their power so he's probably looking around being like yeah f- freaking course this gonna happen to Mason this could happen to anybody whereas Liam who is whose main influence is Scott We're going to be really good people, guys, McCall. (laughs) Yeah, I think that there's something to be said about that. I do want to shift our conversation. I want to talk about Lydia and our number one fan, Ryan Kelly, (laughs) Jordan Parrish. We know you're listening. We know you're there. Ryan. (laughs) Ryan. Um, I just think that there's something to be said about the fact that Lydia is the person who brings up what we have been arguing this whole season. It's that the Hellhound is clearly a protector. So clearly. It is
1: almost impossible to understand why Parrish is still feeling that way. And they try to kind of justify it by him uh, saying that he thinks all the bodies that are piling up in his dreams are because of him. And I just feel like that is a road we have gone down before. Um, And I think that there's like mounting evidence. And also Chris and Gerard, he was with them. He was talking to them. They have a wealth of knowledge and they couldn't convince him that the hellhound is a protector.
0: Yeah. What? I mean, if this is like an an actual issue of like self-hatred, I would be far more interested. Like, I think it would be a more interesting topic of conversation. Like, I love that Parrish is like a caretaker Mm -hmm. and like a general good guy, despite the fact that he should probably stay away from high schoolers. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's not, it's not critical enough for it to be an interesting relationship in that regard. Um, I think that there is a, a, a vehicle for him to have been a not very good person. And that's why he can't believe that, The beast is, not the beast, that the hellhound in him is a protector. You know? There's not enough moral quandary (laughs) internally. Because, again, we haven't seen him kill anybody. No. I, honestly, do you know what, not to
1: speculate, but I'm going to speculate. We already have Kira going through major, I can't control this thing within me. And Parrish is going through that to a certain extent in that he can't trigger the, uh, hellhound on purpose but they I think we're trying to give him a different spin so that he and Kira were not experiencing the same kind of anguish and it just doesn't work
0: no and they also just should have it should have been one or the other yeah um and I think it could have just been um <laughs> I think it actually should have just been perished because I think that Kira should have been given an arc in this season that actually had to do with the other characters
1: yeah she's so lone wolfy To pardon the, yeah, I didn't mean to, um, no, it's just kind of frustrating. It's good that Parrish has finally come to the truth about who and what he is, um, which kind of suggests that, uh, he and the hellhound have made peace somehow because when he's in that little cryo stage, Mm -hmm. the hellhounds like Jordan Parrish is no more but that clearly is not the case.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that the thing, the reason why he's able to accept the truth at this point is because of the person it's coming from. And it's not coming from Lydia and it being like his relationship and that's why he trusts Lydia. It's like her definable experience as a harbinger of death. She's like actually my resume is a little bit longer than yours. <laughs> so I've
1: been doing this for a year. I'm a
0: slightly more qualified. Um yeah. Wow. It like has been a year. That's like just in season three. It's just
1: like a lot of volunteer hours, you know? Yeah. For your resume. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I get it. But also again, it is just a repeat of what Lydia has been saying. Yes. And for a show that really likes myth and lore not that it gives us a whole lot, but they, they love to spend time like teasing out certain stories or like the whole thing about the Druids and the Durak. Um I think it would have been worth talking about hellhound lore for a second. Yes. And they don't even do that.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's an unrewarding truth for us from Parrish because if this had been an actual journey of self-discovery and that's when he comes upon the truth and like accepts it in himself, I'd be more interested. But because we've been sitting here being like, well, everybody can recognize that the, the hellhound isn't evil and then he does it just cuz like it's convenient for the plot is like, ugh. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I'm happy he's living his truth as a not evil hellhound,
1: but. I could have used a Bella from Twilight Google, Google search. search moment. Yes, yeah.
0: come on. We only got one of those in this whole show, which is crazy because a lot of people just end up being supernatural. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about the chimeras in Deucalion. Hmm. A place where truth is relative, um, which is great. God, Deucalion's so great. Oh, he is
1: just, like, number one villain of my heart.
0: Well, I, d- I want to bring this up just as a sidebar, because we don't really need to talk about the Dread Doctors all that much, but, like, they, this is, like, the episode where they pimp their speech about being, like, to make something truly evil, you have to corrupt something truly good. And it's hilarious to me that they're talking about, like, the banality of regular evil, because the only, like, banal evil we have seen is the idea of the beast. Every time Teen Wolf engages in the concept of good and evil, it's that both are relative... And so, the, like, there's absolutely no such thing as true evil in this show. There's no such thing as true evil at all, which begs the question, what the hell is the Dread Doctor agenda? I literally don't understand. What is their motive? Why do they want this? He kills them, so we never actually figure it out. Uh,
1: Yeah, it's so frustrating because especially, like, I don't know, with the mural on the wall of, like, who put that there? Of uh, okay. There? <laughs> of Parish and the Beast. It's like this. That's Vegan this... Hills Sistine Chapel, <laughs> so watch your mouth. I apologize to anyone that I may have offended who loves that mural. But um, like the implication is that it's gonna be world-ending. Um, I think if the dread doctors were doing like horrific things to prolong their life, that's something that's, you know interesting to me and something they're already doing but they never explain it to us what is the what
0: is the point of the beast what's the point it's too it's not local enough when you say that like about them trying to prolong their life that's primarily what a lot of the villains we have seen in this show have done and if that's what the conversation was about i'd be really interested because gerard's motive was prolonging his life kate's big thing in season four is that she wanted to live a little longer like It's a big part of the show, but they do not engage with anything that the Dread Doctors might possibly want. Instead, they are prolonging their life with a Nazi werewolf preserved in what looks like lime jello. It's juice. It's juice. And it's hilarious to me that like the Dread Doctors are like, um, but you know, that's like... But there's, like, true evil is the only good evil. I have no idea what the, what's the, actually, this is a really good conversation for us to have. What is the comment being made? On the banality of evil? Yeah.
1: God, I wish I knew.
0: When I'm sitting here, being like, Teen Wolf is trying to tell me that a version of evil that they only created for this series is the only, like, true form of evil, or that evil even exists in a true form, is so incredibly embarrassingly reductive. Mm -hmm. It It doesn't reflect any of the humanity we've seen in the show. And again, there's no motive. There's no uh, executional interest to me. It's so unbelievably lazy.
1: And part of the problem is that the Dread Doctors are monsters um, in the sense that like, they don't talk. We don't really know. We don't get any... This is my James Bond villain moment of why I'm doing what I'm doing, um, which we get from Jennifer and Kate and Peter. We understand their motives. The Dread Doctors are just spooky-ooky, breathing-underwater weirdos um, who call Theo, like, a wimp or whatever. You know, they
0: don't have... um, you know, any character development. And that is what is lazy. We are so deep into like the mythology and like pathologizing of like how people make decisions in the show that showing up and being like, actually there's an advanced version of evil is like, Wow, you have t- made that is an incredible regression from the conversation you were having at the beginning,
1: mm-hmm. when
0: the conversation again was about Gerard trying to little, live a little longer, about Jackson having something in his soul be corrupted to the point that he could be corrupted by other people, that Allison could be put into motion for a movement that she would obviously deny later. What are you saying about corrupting something truly good? If you wanted to corrupt something truly good, if the Teen Wolf writers actually wanted to make a really phenomenal comment, do it to Scott. That would have been an incredible dissection of what they're saying. But instead, they're basically like, you flip good and evil on like a switch. Whereas Theo is just mediocre bad. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, I think you and I are both frustrated by the fact that this uh, season has denied the groundwork it's laid to talk about characters like Deucalion, like Peter. And honestly, having that scene proceed... The conversations happening amongst the chimeras and Deucalion almost counteracts the effect of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, or actually, it actually doesn't proceed. It's after it. But it, it reduces the effect that that scene had.
1: The train tracks were there, and then the train went in a completely different direction.
0: I agree. So... I think that we need to move on, because I think that, that that conversation is going to continue to go on a little bit through season six as well, which I hope that our we, we formulate stronger thoughts, and I hope that this stirs good discussion from our listeners, because I know that people have been offering really good commentary lately, and I, I'm sorry to have derailed it so far, but back to Deucalion and the Chimeras, what is really interesting to me is the absolute hairpin trigger everybody in that room now has for the quest to power. It's
1: Just so interesting to kind of speculate on like what we think Tracy thinks she's going to get out of it because Theo very clearly like wants to take the beast power. That's kind of been his goal from, you know, whenever he explained it to us, I can't remember. Um, And Tracy is like full throttle backing him up. Right hand man. I think
0: the biggest thing is that she Also sees an end... At the beginning, I think she just sees the ends to the means of Josh putting on the helmet and then figuring it out. Because I think she sees that if Theo... The more power Theo gains, the more power she has as like a sort of right hand, which is what she's asserted herself as. Mm -hmm. Um, And after... This is actually the the point of truth I want to bring up. After Theo kills Josh, it doesn't matter if she believed that Josh was wrongfully killed. It doesn't matter if she believes that Theo was wrong or right or whatever. Her ultimate goal in that moment is survival so of course she'd tell theo whatever he wants to hear truth is dependent on how much it saves her ass Mm -hmm. um so while i don't particularly like tracy's execution because she seems just sort of volatile and like radical without a cause which is disinterest like it's not interesting because we've seen like characters get radicalized in interesting ways like allison and then it's Mm -hmm. just not really discussed and Kayleen kind of is like, yeah, of course, like you who was so weak before are so quick to t- like show off your new power, which I, is an observation I like. Well, but was an observation meant for like the beginning of the season?
1: Meant for the beginning of the season, and it's kind of frustrating because we see that um, played pretty well uh, talking about Erica. Like, we even get a flat, not a flashback, but we get a reasoning as to why Erica would want to be a werewolf um, and why she would want to take that power. Not that Tracy had a choice.
0: Um, And that's why I think it's actually not as good of a commentary as it was in those previous seasons.
1: Because she doesn't have a choice? Yeah. Yeah.
0: She didn't choose power.
1: No. It was given to her... Forced upon her. Forced upon her in a really Um, weird way.
0: But yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that like not only is Deucalion playing the truth in that because he's been lying to them this whole time about whether or not he's actually immobilized, which he's clearly not. He's the demon wolf. And when he stands up and they realize that they've been played this whole time, it completely changes the nature of truth in that room. And because that shift is so big, that's what makes Theo be like, I have to kill Josh, which is sad because I liked Josh. I did, too. But, I mean... He's in, like, none of this <laughs> show, but I just seem to... I like that he is an electric eel.
1: Oftentimes, I think that, like, truth can be equated to power. Um, because truth is often knowledge. His, well, like, also, knowledge is power. The
0: knowledge is power, but I also say that history is written by the victors.
1: True. Um, truth is subjective. But, like, the fact that Deucalion tells Theo that those claws um are not actually going to be the thing that helps him get the beast's power it's pain Mm -hmm. um and that is like what empowers theo like now that he knows the truth about how that's going to work he sees that his only path forward is to kill josh so that he can get his power and figure out who like the truth of who the chimera is
0: yeah i see that i have a question
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so if taking pain and is taking someone's power. Why did Derek turn into a beta when he took all of, uh, chorus. chorus pain? It feels like we have examples to prove that that is just was made up just at the last minute.
1: Um, almost certainly. And they didn't even think it through because, um, I, I don't know. Like Tracy's supposed to paralyze him, but like, wouldn't that make it harder for him to feel pain? Like, I don't know. Well, I no. And also, I, how do
0: you cause the beast pain? I don't pain? think that, I don't think the paralytic is a, a, um, I don't, I don't think it cuts your pain sensations. I think it just makes us, you can't move. Interesting. I don't know. Like, it's uh, it's, it's weird. That's what sedatives do. You can still feel pain under a sedative. Yeah.
1: I view it more as kind of like a local anesthetic. Yeah. I don't think it's that. <laughs> I,
0: I'd love to know. Yeah. I would love to know. Do you know what Teen Wolf, speaking of truth, I would love to know things. Show Bible. Yes, show a Bible. Where is it? Um, let's quickly jump into a quick conversation about Kira. 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 Kira is facing a truth that she's been putting off this entire season. She has to end up with the Skinwalkers. It's always been that way. I think that there's makes no fucking sense to me why the Skinwalkers would have anything to do with knowing how to fix her sword, or anything to do with anything with Kira. Why they would do anything for her? Because what are you talking about? Why are they here? Who put them in this show? We've already expressed this, but Kira has to go help ask them for help um, per her dad's recommendation. It's the only way that she can actually utilize the one weapon she has to help her friends. And they say, at a price, we will help you, and that price is, of course,
1: that she going will her have phone. to stay. I find that so interesting because when she's talking to her dad, she's like, "You can't tell mom; they're hiding the truth about the fact that Kira is going to see the Skinwalkers, even though that was her mom's idea." in the first place
0: well i mean i feel like nishiko has clearly like been like this is a horrible idea why would i do this to my daughter a much quicker turnaround than natalie had for (laughs) like a stint about face yeah um but yeah so they are they she is accepting an inevitable but preventing her mom from knowing it until it's the last minute she's giving her mom i think what's basically like a last little period of peace before it happens Mm -hmm. and while I think that there is merit to um that I also think it's kind of cruel to not tell her I think so um it it
1: also just seems like a very interesting truth or realization for her to come to because Kira has been really instrumental in like, helping break Lydia out of Eichenhaus, which had nothing to do with her sword. But uh, she's really played on the sidelines a lot this season. And kind of the way that the dominoes are being set up, it doesn't suggest that she is going to be a big part of whatever final battle is going to be taking place. And it, she probably could not tip the scale one way or the other. So I'm, I... The truth of her having to end up with whoever it is that can teach her to control the fox, I think is accurate and uh, appropriate for what we've seen for the character for this season. The fact that it's wrapped up in her going to get her sword fixed by the skinwalkers who don't appear to use swords, I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it's all just like I wish that somebody had just looked over that first script with the skinwalkers and been like, "Why does this make sense? Explain to me how this fits into the mythology. How on earth it would fit into our Japanese mythology?" Is it just geographical? Is it because they're in the geographic Southwest? Do better. Do better.
1: It is really feeling like word salad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like they threw a, they threw a dart at the dartboard and we're like, Nazi werewolf. Skin- what? Skinwalkers. skinwalkers. What Kira
1: drives however long it takes to get from Northern California to New Mexico? Question mark.
0: It's well, it's like six hours from LA to Phoenix so farther
1: farther than that yeah to and fro yes and this whole episode the last episode and this episode happened in like two
0: days what the f what is happening all right let's talk about the origins really quickly um they're liars they're big fat liars big fat liars holding withholding a very big truth which i do not know i don't remember what it is That the pike oh about the pike yeah that it still exists somewhere and they melted it into silver
1: a cup, I think, is the or maybe that's just the speculation, Chris's speculation. Yeah. And Gerard's like, I have a feeling it's much closer than we think it is. Br-br-br-br. Is that the silver
0: that Allison melted to make her arrows? Maybe. maybe. I don't know why they
1: would have had it.
0: You know, like I got, well, I feel like somebody <laughs> would have been like, wait, isn't that the wait. the pike silver? You can't use that to make arrows. We might need that later. Well, it would make sense in the fact that like Gerard
1: clearly keeps a lot of truths from everybody in his family. Like he likes to be the knowledge keeper. Um, and that's why Chris had to go to him and heal him because he's the one who knows the truth and who knows the name of the beast of Givadin. Like, Mm -hmm. um, Gerard unfortunately is like the holder of a lot of truths.
0: Back to your knowledge is power thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's his whole deal. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, attempted theses being made
0: so much like grabbing at like semi-deep thoughts and mm-hmm. not putting any of them together there's no cohesion um and maybe we'll do a little bit more of that in our uh q's and o's i would talk about scott and styles but they didn't do anything scott and styles did nothing for this whole episode scott did his usual
1: uh superman pose in the elevator to psych yourself up for a meeting with your boss uh, we're gonna save Mason attitude. Yeah, and then Styles walked into things. He provided some comedic relief. Yes, I will say
0: he sat with Lydia on a couch, and I was like, kiss, and they didn't. So no, they oh, no, well. looked at their phones. <laughs> they did awkwardly. Um, do you have any questions?
1: I think we've addressed a lot of them. Do you have any questions? Mm-mm. Like unanswerable questions, always, every time, but they're not worth posing.
0: All right, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we've brought them up. Yes, we've brought them up.
0: We have. Do you have any observations?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: The Dread Doctors hate millennials. That was so funny. Was so funny. They <laughs> were, okay, also, like, the idea that these Dread Doctors who have been alive for hundreds of years are participating in generational politics is the dumbest <laughs> thing I've... Like, they basically told Theo, like, go eat your avocado toast.
1: Kill the diamond industry while you're at it. Uh, yeah, they're like the selfishness and self of your generation. And it's like, do you even know what year it is?
0: It's also like, I don't think the phrase Gen Z had been coined or at least was not being used regularly at this time. This was at the height of like millennial millennial hysteria, Yeah, millennial hysteria.
1: (laughs) Um, millennials are don't play golf <laughs> like what legitimately the dread doctors do not exist within society why would they know why would they know <laughs> why would they know it is incredibly funny i laughed out well, loud it,
0: yeah i laughed too and the funny thing is it's like the only the only way you needed to fix that is by being like the young are so selfish, selfish and obsessed because that is the constant comment of every young person. Because you know what? When I was 16, I thought about literally nothing but myself. (laughs) Were the thoughts good? No, but were they all about me? Yeah, baby. Am I still mostly thinking
1: about myself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, fine. At millennials.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, but like the the irony of that um, accusation is that everybody's self-absorbed. Yeah. At any age. Yes. Because you're the main character of your own life. Yes. Not that your friends are your side characters, but like your life is your life, guys. You just gotta do well, it. Well, we are all intersecting
0: it. main stories of all different stories, main characters of all different stories. Exactly. Like this.
1: Exactly. Um, that was really funny. It was really funny. Um, there's a, a shot, um when Brayden two things about Brayden that I actually really like she's um, eating pistachios when she's hanging out with Malia and turns out that she had like put them on the floor and when Corinne steps forward that's how Brayden knows where she is Mm -hmm. and I just love that little detail because Brayden is a goddamn professional yeah she's good at her job speaking of there's like a little close-up on her uh, shotgun and it looks really weathered like it's scratched and kind of dented and it's like that woman uses that every day. Yeah. It's her multi-tool. Yep. I really liked it. Um, I feel really bad for all. Of I like the...
0: weirdly feel like you could just plug Brayden into like the walking dead universe and she'd be like, okay. All right. Lit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Actually, you know what? This is an observation that solves maybe a question Go that ahead. we've had. Mama McCall has to repair her house all the fucking time.
0: So that's why
1: they, they have, have no money. money. Problems. All right, makes sense. I guess. Yeah, um, they did just
0: sh- like there was a full full blown shootout in there. So
1: yeah, those are my observations. Do you do you have any that you'd like to share?
0: I loved the Styles wanting a gun scene because the idea that Styles should just get one now, <laughs> like at this point. <laughs> well, I also find it a little strange that his dad never like taught him how to use a gun. It's really weird for somebody to have uh, be in law enforcement and like have guns in the house and not be like, I need to teach my kid basic <laughs> gun safety yeah yeah maybe he just did that thing
1: where it's like okay take the gun part, clean it and then put it back together again but you never actually get to shoot it i, I feel know. like
0: that's a trope uh maybe in things yeah i don't know i, I <laughs> i'm also saying this because i think that like i think that's what you're supposed to do I think it's what you should do. i did not grow up in a house with guns so i but i do, do know people who did who were taught gun safety because mm-hmm. this is america Uh, and thankfully all my friends were taught gun safety. All my friends who had guns in the houses. That just reminds
1: me of when my uh, stepdad was like, I'm going to teach you how to change the oil in your car because he's a mechanical engineer. And we got done. It was a really arduous process. And I was like, Hey, just out of curiosity, is this less expensive than uh, going to get it changed at a body shop? And he was like, no, just wanted you to know how to do it.
0: Well, yeah, a little different. I do feel like. No, but it's like, like if you have a skill
1: or if you have a thing, you You teach your kids the thing.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah um so but i i thought that whole scene was very funny because it's very reminiscent of the meme that's currently going around right now that's like this pro- media property and it's really long and it's like this media property if one of the characters had a gun and it's really short it's like yeah
1: my favorite is the reverse where it's like a normal length and then if x character had a
0: gun it yeah it gets yeah. yeah there was one that was like lord of the rings Lord of the Rings, if Merry and Pippin had a gun, and then it was like lengthened, but then it was like the plot of Lord of the Rings, and then the the big chunk was trying to get the gun away from Merry and Pippin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have any other observations? No, I'm I'm good to go. How about you? Oh, I guess we were on my observations, but that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just think that this episode was. It was like fake deep. I think it was not accomplishing any of the things that I thought it was. I don't think it was making any of the points. I thought it was a penultimate episode for a season of penultimate episodes. I, I actually thought it was going to be more chipper because we're back and I was like pumped to get it recording again. But unfortunately, I just got in my Angie feels. Um, but let's let's hope we got on the best note we possibly can for our next episode, which is the finale of season five. Mm-hmm. Um, if no, 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 no. Pack stats. Pack stats.
1: Uh, Yeah. I tried to end this episode. I was like, we got to get this done. (laughs) Let's do this. Pack Um, stats. No, pack stats were kind of up. We had six eyes, two claws, four shirts because Parish is not. I, I don't know, I'm still counting it as two because his shorts should not be that flame retardant. And then Sebastian is clearly not Just wearing any clothes. Film him
0: from behind. Like it's fine. We did not need to see Peen, but like <laughs> No, I don't want I don't want to. I need to make this perfectly clear. It'd be really inappropriate for Teen Wolf. Um but, but it is really funny that he's like shirtless and barefoot but shorts.
1: It's like it's a Hulk moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then Sebastian is clearly naked, Nikki. Yes. Um lots of like aggressive toyota ads in this (laughs) episode (laughs) like really gratuitous shots of uh i wonder if there's a
0: quota maybe probably yeah like i feel like ads probably go up at at the finales and the penultimate episode because that's when most people are watching
1: that makes sense i don't know how that works but um yeah and there was there was a siren while we were watching but none today so no
0: i think we had a little one earlier i don't know if it'll show up on the mics but we did have one. Oh, i didn't hear it and i I'm, usually do so i'm gonna give that little siren the little siren that could a shout out a little little half siren um but the city
1: of chicago is staying s- safe tonight i hope thumbs up from uh, fires from
0: fires <laughs> yes that's all we can really account for we don't yeah. live by a police station yeah so fires we know about the fires we know about the cats stuck in trees Hmm. yeah uh do you have an alpha of the week no Brayden
1: Brayden I guess maybe
0: Deucalion just because I love that he's like it's just a rock star
1: yeah he is cool as shit he's a double agent although nobody's totally sure of that yet I only know because I looked it up
0: <laughs> we are truly the authorities <laughs> on Teen Wall. we um, know so much you know what I'll actually give it to Liam Liam is wants to save his best friend so so much. much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, love Liam. Love you. Love teen wolf. Occasionally. Sometimes (laughs) with a caveat. Um, and I think that about wraps it up. If you guys liked this episode and I hope you did, you guys can leave us a review on iTunes and we'll read it out loud on the podcast. You can also follow our Twitter at teen wolf underscore ReWolf, which is also our Instagram handle. Our Tumblr is teen wolf. Rewolf. Our Facebook is teen wolf. Rewolf podcast. Um, Join. Share the memes. If you really liked this podcast, you guys can buy our stickers on Redbubble. Those links are in our bios. Or you can buy us a coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash teenwolfrewolf. Other than that, uh, I have been Christian. And I've been Julia. And we really hope you guys have a wolf of a week. woo! (laughs)